Well, 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 we are back. <laughs> yes, we are. So, how's it going? I mean, the weather's changing. It is officially sweater weather. Yes, I completely agree, but it's also sweating weather. I'm like, <laughs> when I go inside a building, I am drenched. Okay, this is true. This is true. I go from having full, cool armpits to just the Atlantic in like 10 <laughs> seconds. So, granted, I wanted, I wanted to keep the beginning of this cute, but let's be real. It is it is sweating weather, too. That is true. <laughs> so, um, I'm curious to know, throughout the years, how have your eating habits changed <clears throat> In terms of how you perceive food, mm-hmm. um, what some of your healthy eating goals are per se, mm-hmm. like how has that changed? Uh, growing up, I was a very active kid, so mm-hmm. I didn't think I had to think about what I was eating as much. It was just fuel, you know. I could eat from anything because I was a runner. I ran a lot, so I could just eat whatever I wanted in my head. Mm-hmm. And now. At college, I don't do that. I don't run at all, mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> Wish I did, but I don't. And so I can feel that how what I eat changes, or like I can, I can, I can tell that what I eat how it affects my body. Mm-hmm. So um, I definitely try to f- like not maybe not eat a brownie all the time, or just like space out things so that I know what I'm eating. It makes me feel good instead of just fueling my body for, mm-hmm. you know, an activity. So yeah. I think that's where my mind has kind of changed with eating food is going from energy for exercise to just making me feel good and happy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that as I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize more and more that the food I'm eating affects my body while I'm eating it. And then after I'm eating it, I've never bought more gas X than being in college. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's yep. anything. It's ice cream. It's cheese. It's maybe I'm discovering a trend here. Um, <laughs> so today we are talking about what's on your plate. And we have a special guest, Callan Anderson. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Of course. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about where you come from, how you got involved with dietetics. Yeah, sure. So, um, hello, everyone listening to The Well. <laughs> uh, my name is Callan Anderson. I'm the registered dietitian working with ISU Dining here on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a little bit about me. I grew up on a family farm about an hour northwest of Ames here. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. We have a huge garden. My parents still farm. I grew up showing sheep at our county fair. They're the stupidest animals in the world, <laughs> and it, it was just so fun. Uh so fun. So I got interested in food from a very, very young age, not only just the production side of it, but also how it affects people's bodies. I was mm-hmm. very involved with 4-H growing up and mm-hmm. kind of learned about nutrition that way. Um, I saw hunger almost every day in my small high school. And so that experience with seeing some of my classmates go without lunch all the time um, kind of impacted me to want to change the world and solve world hunger hey. and um, you know I can't really do a whole lot of that but um, mm-hmm. educating people about food nutrition um, how food affects our bodies all impacts food excess and things like that so that's how I got interested in dietetics awesome awesome Cool. So today, let's get started right away. So, Callan, what is how would you define wellness? Wellness. So, um, I also have my master's of public health from um, UW La Crosse, and I really learned more about wellness when I was there. But wellness, mm-hmm. kind of in a, a definition sense, would be 
how our choices and our actions and just the environments around us all impact our thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and they all intersect and correlate to each other as well. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people don't think of that. A lot of times when people think of health or wellness, they think of food, exercise, nutrition, and that's it. Right. Slowly kind of right now is when the mental health game is starting to become a little bit more um, normalized, talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, Sexual health is becoming a little bit more normalized, talked about. Mm -hmm. Violence, uh, spiritual wellness, and all of those things affect each other, even Mm -hmm. though we don't really realize it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So here at Student Wellness, we have a sector of student wellness called Joyful Eating. Mm -hmm. And are you familiar? Yes. Okay. Just checking. (laughs) (laughs) So within Joyful Eating, we talk a lot about the relationship with food and we talk a lot about, you know, what food can do for the body, but also for your heart, your soul, your mind, all of that. So what does Joyful Eating mean to you? To me, Joyful Eating means that you're not just eating to fuel your body, Mm -hmm. um, that you are eating to fuel your soul and that you're loving the food that you eat. Mm -hmm. Um, You shouldn't be eating food that you don't think tastes good or that mm-hmm. you're eating it just because it's a vegetable and you know you're supposed to eat vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, eating food of all food groups, um, including sweets. I have desserts all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because we need that balance of everything in order to be healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. also really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Morgan? Um, I definitely... Well, I've stated in my, the little intro that mm-hmm. I definitely think joyful eating is important because it's recognizing what your body needs and, and feeling that and just being happy with it and not eating to the point where you feel gross afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, just being happy and, and loving what you're doing mm-hmm. right then. Yeah, very much so. I think that throughout the years, my perception of food has changed wholeheartedly. Um, coming to college and being within the dining centers and, you know, working in food service, I see a lot of people eating the same stuff. And I often think to myself, do you want to be eating this food or do you have to eat this food? For me, because I get a free meal, so I'm eating that food, you know, and (laughs) it's happy for, it makes me feel happy and brings me joy. But I ask myself, do other people often feel happy and feel Mm -hmm. joyful when they're eating? Yeah. There are so many times when I'm walking around the dining halls because I have to do that as part of my job. Mm -hmm. But I see students day after day only getting pizza and pasta every single day. And I I love pizza. I'm totally pro pizza, pro Mm -hmm. carbs. Um, But at the same point in time, wouldn't that get boring? (laughs) I think it would get so boring Mm -hmm. eating the same thing all the time. And we have such a diverse array of foods from different um, global uh, ethnic backgrounds as well to mm-hmm. so many different varieties that mm-hmm. um, I feel like a lot of students don't know how to take advantage of that. And mm-hmm. so yeah. that's hopefully going to be a project that I'm working on um, within the dining halls within the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I bet with this project, you'll have to look at, you know, where are uh, students like starting this relationship with Mm -hmm. food why are they eating the food they're eating so that's a question we kind of wanted to talk about today is where does this relationship come from with our food where does it start it starts from any experience in any person that a human interacts with so 
Um, currently, I'm meeting with, I work one-on-one with a lot of students doing mm-hmm. nutrition counseling, and many of them do have some sort of food issue or some sort of relationship issue with food. Mm-hmm. And it could be really small. It could be that they just have a texture issue with food and they don't like um, soft foods right, or something like that. But every single thing that in past experience that a human, whether it's a student or a staff or anyone, mm-hmm. has affects their relationship with food later on. Like it could be something that is perceived harmless as, you know, growing up in high school, like an example would be I was very involved with sports in high school. Mm-hmm. If something happened and I had either a close friend or maybe a family member say, oh, well, you don't need that extra side bun there. Yeah. That potentially could have scarred me from eating carbs later mm-hmm. on or yeah. from going on a carb-restricted diet. It could be something small. It could be something from the media. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be something from social media, especially now, from other yeah. peers, family. Mm-hmm. Um Anything can affect other people. It really just kind of depends not only how the person takes it, if they let it affect affect them too much. And that's where some of these unhealthy relationships with food really, really begin is when these words and hurtful things become overpowering. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely coming from a very diverse community, I was witnessing a lot of different foods and a lot of different cultures, Mm -hmm. perceiving food in different ways. And I think for me going to a high school and a middle school specifically that did have a lot of diversity, it changed my mind when I got to college about what I can eat and what I definitely should stay away from. Mm -hmm. Because I think in schools we do have like the brownies and the cookies and, you know, all the things that kids want to eat. But when I got to college, I knew I can't be eating all this every single day. You know, I think also what goes into play with that is what people's relationship with food is from media. And you would touch a little bit on that. I think we see these fads and these diets and all of these myths. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing so many things about keto. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I was like, keto? A I thought you meant don't. Cheeto. Like, I, I, was, I was focusing on Cheetos. A Cheeto diet? Do you just eat Cheetos? A hey, big Cheetos? I'm open to it. I'm open to it. So what are some of the fads and myths that you often hear working in your line of work? I mean, I can only imagine it's... Well, I haven't heard of the Cheeto diet until today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're starting um, Just now. Uh, but you mentioned the keto diet before. Mm-hmm. Keto and paleo have become extremely popular in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't realize with so many of these fad diets or short little quick things that you mm-hmm. see or hear um, that so many of them are completely false <laughs> completely false yeah um, so the keto diet or the ketogenic diet was actually created um, from a series of doctors and other uh, prof- medical professionals to serve as a treatment option for children with severe epilepsy who have extreme mm. seizures Okay. Really? So not the normal human. (laughs) No, not the normal human at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the ketogenic diet limits and actually helps these really young children to control their seizures a little bit more. Instead of having grand mal seizures on the regular Mm -hmm. basis, there actually um, has been proven that if a young child is on the ketogenic diet or on the keto diet, 
for an extended or a certain period of time under strict supervision by a dietitian, by multiple mm-hmm. physicians, mm-hmm. Um, making sure that they have other nutrients in balance that's able to reduce their grand mal seizures pretty exponentially. Really? Oh. I have no idea. My goodness. So uh, why am I seeing this all over Instagram for these fitness gurus and these lifestyle gurus we see on social media? Why is this taken off so rapidly? Humans want the easy thing and they want uh, they want it black and white. Mm-hmm. They don't mm-hmm. like the gray area. And so if they see something um, high protein, high carb, no or high protein, high fat, no carbohydrate, it's something that humans are easier to do because there's instructions mm-hmm. yeah for it. Um, there's instructions for how to follow this diet. Any kind of, elimination diet or where Mm -hmm. um, a food group is cut out entirely. Um, The keto diet is essentially the same thing as the paleo diet is essentially the same thing as Adkins is essentially the same thing as South Beach. It's they all have newer, fancier names that hook people in. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with all of those shake and supplement diets. It doesn't matter what the brand is. Mm -hmm. All that they do essentially is to restrict your food choices so Mm -hmm. much and restrict your calories that no matter what, you're probably going to be losing some weight, but it's not done healthy. It's not done in the right way. And it's not done in a balanced way either. You're depriving yourself of a specific food or specific food group so that you're not in truly enjoying it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It's, (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah. It's just strange. Well, I guess it's not strange. It's normal, but that social media just and media in general these days, it's definitely not all sources are credible, but Mm -hmm. seem to be. And we just believe it because we want it to, because of convenience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Convenience is huge. And as a dietitian, a lot of people don't realize that dietitians are the real nutrition experts. Like, even so personally one of my best friends is currently in her mm-hmm. medical residency mm-hmm. um she's going to become a cardiologist awesome go mm-hmm. her yes uh but i can tell and her and i have talked about this multiple times mm-hmm. that a lot of times people will ask doctors will ask their primary care physicians related to nutrition information and in medical school they've only taken maybe one one day of one class was focused on nutrition Mm -hmm. Um, go to your doctors for for medicine and other medical advice for different things Mm -hmm. they should be referring you to a registered dietitian who can help you follow that advice better right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right yeah and finding uh, reputable sources on social media or on the internet for looking for that RD or RDN credential afterwards. So it is Mm -hmm. a registered dietitian um, and knowing the difference between a registered dietitian and just a nutritionist, or I've even seen a nutritionarian people who say that they know nutrition, but that's not a, that's not the thing. That's not the profession. A registered (laughs) dietitian is who you need to be getting some of that information from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that definitely goes into, as you spoke earlier about convenience, I think especially with college students, we just want the, fix all moment. If I go to this person, they're going to tell me everything I need to change about my life in five minutes or less. And that's just not the case is what I'm learning more and more about. Yeah. So with that being said, what do you see often with your students that um, come to you? What are their struggles? What do they strive for? What, what does that whole process look like? 
Yeah, so I work with a wide variety of students. Mm-hmm. Um, I primarily work with students who eat on campus with dining, who have a meal plan. Um, so they're typically freshman students. Yeah. Um, freshmen, first years who live on campus and have a meal plan. And so oftentimes when I'm working with them, not only is it crazy that they're coming to college and branching off from right. home, living under their parents' roof, but making decisions for themselves. And that can be hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to yeah. start making decisions for yourself, especially right away when you're coming to college. And so I have students who come to me with just general advice of, you know, I was really active in sports in high school, and mm-hmm. I know that I'm not going to be anymore. How do I you know, not gain a lot of weight? How do I not do this? I also work with a lot of students with food allergies, so making sure that they have safe, healthy food to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, But then so many of the other students that I'm working with for weight management um, or eating disorder type issues or Mm -hmm. um, um, disordered eating habits Mm -hmm. come to me saying, I know I have this issue and I don't know what to do. Mm. Yeah, And that's one thing that... I think we're so blessed to have now at Iowa State, not only myself as a dietitian with dining, but we have a dietitian within student wellness to make mm-hmm. sure that students have access to people who yeah. can break down and make everything individualized yeah. for them and for their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think definitely part of that outreach is changing the perception of health and wellness yeah. and what eating healthy looks like and getting into some of those perceptions. I think one of the most negative perceptions about food that I've seen are these these fad diets that you had spoke about the keto and the paleo and I think about that how inaccessible that is for so many people Mm -hmm. you know we get into health and income disparity and we get into what's available in your grocery store and Mm -hmm. you know what a food desert is and it just yeah it goes into all of these intersecting layers and I think these pros and these cons of health perspectives are just not talked about enough. They just aren't. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a limited population of people who are passionate about that, mm-hmm. who actually want to talk about it and want to make change, right. but it can be so difficult to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think it. there's a struggle of, you know, wanting to to solve all of these these issues but they're so different there's like a a huge variety of Mm -hmm. of you know with body image but also like are you do you have access to to food like or do you can you afford what can you afford it's so it's 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 so huge that i i feel like sometimes it's scary to tackle and then that's Mm -hmm. maybe why it's not as passionate i think another thing related to food insecurity specifically um is it's a social justice issue we know that right um but that's not talked about as much but also many social justice issues have kind of become more evident in our society and in waves and so we talk about certain things and then it kind of falls back and then we talk about certain things and it falls Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. and so um i honestly hope that since one of the latest or two of the latest like social justice issues like mental health awareness Mm -hmm. um, and normalizing mental health conversations and uh, conversations related to gender-based violence are becoming a lot more evident in our society. I Mm -hmm. hope that food insecurity as a social justice issue will also become more evident as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's slowly starting to. So yeah. yeah. That's positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe a reason it's starting to is with so much media out there that we do have the chance to speak our voice and say what, you know, what um, we're proud of or what we're concerned with. But also there's a lot of media representation out there that kind of, you know, maybe hurts these bottom body images and, mm-hmm. you know, perspectives that we have of ourselves. And mm-hmm. it go plays mm-hmm. into that mental health realm as well as, you know, what you're putting into your body and how you're mm-hmm. treating it. Very much so. I think social media, not only is it a great tool to find resources and to get representation out there for what, you know, a happy, healthy life looks like. It's also extremely damaging when you see these Instagram models and these gurus who, you know, they're just, I don't even know, like carved out of stone. Their bodies are just, you know, (laughs) immune from any sort of like toxin or illness. And it's like, how did that even happen? But part of that issue with, you know, understanding what your body looks like and what your body's going to end up being like is dismissing those images and saying, that's not me, that they're not living the life that I live. Mm -hmm. They don't have the same experiences that I have. And all of those play into your relationship with your body and with food. And I think what a lot of people aren't as in tune to is themselves their wants their desires their needs Mm -hmm. and obviously every human is their own human every body is their own body and Mm -hmm. no matter what whether we you know even look around the room that we have here like obviously all of us look different we act different we think different we are different Mm -hmm. and those differences should be embraced 100 percent and because our society has gotten smaller and smaller with access to social media and communication around the world i think i call it uh, this is not a medical term at all but i call it the instagram syndrome that Mm. we are constantly putting a face on ourselves to look a certain way act a certain way on social media or to our peers or to those around us instead of be actually being our true authentic self because we think that that face is going to make us happy or Mm -hmm. going to make us be more popular, have more friends. Mm -hmm. All of those things definitely impact Mm -hmm. a person's mental health and perception with health, wellness, and food. It's all all interrelated. It's very fascinating. Yeah, it is. I think, as we spoke about a little bit earlier – the income and financial barriers that people have to face to get these resources to talk to a dietitian. You know, I think about so often, you know, skin, your body, you know, what kind of fitness and dermatologist you need to go to throughout your life, how expensive that can be. And, you know, going to talk to your doctor in general is a big step for a lot of people. And so being able to overcome those barriers, I think, is something that people just struggle with Mm -hmm. so much. One thing that, as a dietitian, this really hits close to home for me Mm -hmm. um, because currently in our country today, uh, dietitians are visiting the dietitian for um, any kind of prevention or education besides Mm -hmm. diabetes or chronic renal failure isn't covered by insurance and a Mm -hmm. lot of people don't realize that it's almost as if we're like 
second class medical professionals compared to other medical professionals and therapists mm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so that's very difficult for me in terms of, of getting access. So yeah. many people won't go to a dietitian even though they need to for prevention, nutrition education purposes because they can't afford it because their insurance doesn't cover it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing that I really want to try and make sure that students here at Iowa State know mm -hmm. that you have access to not one but two dietitians for free. Like we're for yeah. free. And yeah. so like it's it's a huge, huge big thing that a lot of people don't take advantage of here on campus and the habits that so many college students have today will become the habits that you have when you're thirty and when you're forty and mm -hmm. fifty years old and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that we recognize that it's, um, you know, some of the services outside of campus aren't under insurance so that we can speak out for it. We can, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's our food, you know. A lot of dietitians, our, yeah, advocate you know, to make sure that it's our health. that kind of gets changed in the near future yeah. um, because it definitely should be. We know that so many chronic diseases could be, you know, cured or treated based on food but if you can't meet with someone to talk about what balanced food and balanced meals look like right. it's hard to learn that yeah mm -hmm. and it's this psych it's a cycle 100 yeah. percent. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. i think that when we talk about family and we talk about society's perception of food one of the key factors that we forget about is how important representation for family for society affects us every day it affects us in so many ways. And I remember, you know, growing up, it'd be no big deal for my mom to give me SpaghettiOs or no big deal for my dad to like, you know, fry chicken or something. And thinking about it now, I know I shouldn't be eating SpaghettiOs. Doesn't stop me, but I know I shouldn't be eating them. <laughs> I know I shouldn't be eating fried food as much as I do. But those affect me in multiple ways because I relate those back to Oh, that's what dad used to cook. That's what grandma used to cook. And mm -hmm. that, that's a barrier in itself because we're eliminating part of those memories and what we have associated with food. And that barrier can be oh so difficult. Mm -hmm. And I actually am a big advocate for not having that barrier, maybe having mm -hmm. a slight filter of it. Yeah. Um, but those memories that we have related to food make us who we are. Mm -hmm. And... There are no good foods. There are no bad foods. We shouldn't completely cut something out, kind of like what those fad diets um, and other cleanses um, mm -hmm. encourage people to do because we have been eating food since we were born. And we do have memories and we do have good experiences or maybe negative experiences right. based off of these. And so food not only tastes good, but and it looks good and the textures are fun when we, mm -hmm. when we eat them, but... They're also a huge factor in, you know, family holidays or maybe a negative thing related to family, um, family experiences or experiences mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think our culture definitely, uh, you know, we surround around food a lot. And so it is important to recognize that, you know, this food makes me happy because, you know, mm -hmm. and it's it could be an emotion or a memory. And it's important to keep that in mind. But it's important to really know know the why. You said right. um, this food makes me feel blank because blank. Right, yeah. We need to understand that a little bit more. 
it's not good to um to fill a void with food but mm-hmm. it's also very but it is important for us to eat the food because we enjoy the feeling that we have when we eat it right mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's mm. important <laughs> as i have a tub that. of ice cream <laughs> that's what i related that <laughs> that phrase to but um yeah so next we'll go into our giving grace portion where i'll give a quote and we can reflect on it so today's giving grace is when the joy goes out of eating nutrition suffers from Ellen Satter. And this, I feel this is what exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ellen Satter is a dietitian that um, I and many other dietitians have as kind of a, um, a role model who we've never met before. Uh, <laughs> she's kind of the founder of intuitive eating, mindful eating. Mm-hmm. And um, she has a Ellen Satter Institute actually that all talks about um, food behaviors, emotions related to food, feeding children and how you can raise intuitive eaters with children. And um, she's just an amazing human being and has a lot of great work out there. And this quote specifically by her talks about everything that we've talked about, yeah. I think, today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Would you mind unpacking what mindful eating is for some of our listeners who may not know? Yeah. So um, mindful eating is similar to joyful eating that we mm-hmm. talked about before. Um, But mindful eating really hones in and talks about um, and focuses on the ability that we should be paying attention to what we're eating and enjoying it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so often we uh, sit down on the computer or in front of the TV with a bag of popcorn or a bag of chips and oops, five minutes goes by and the entire bag of popcorn is gone. Yeah. (laughs) Were we paying attention? Were we being mindful of eating? No. Mm -hmm. Um, there is a book out there called Mindless Eating that is very good. It's by a psychologist who does um, food-related marketing research. Mm-hmm. And okay. um, his research is all related to how humans naturally usually tend to be mindless about their eating habits, mm-hmm. not paying attention, not enjoying, mm-hmm. and they all kind of work hand in hand. So um, being mindful about your eating, being present in the moment, enjoying mm-hmm. um, every bite that you take of the food that you're eating is what mindful eating kind of refers back to. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So we are now nearing the end of our episode. Um, I want to go over what the takeaway for this episode is for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think for me talking about body image and our relationship with food and the journey that we go on with food has changed from this interview, um, from this episode. I should, It honestly feels a little bit more like an interview because <laughs> there's so much that you have to say and yeah. so much you have to offer. I really have enjoyed hearing you and letting you be able to share your story. So thank you for that. Um, of course, you're welcome. This, this takeaway is just, it's got me thinking. It's got me thinking about my relationship with food and, you know, what I what I think food does for me and how it has affected me throughout my life. So it's got me. I didn't yeah. anticipate on that being as deep as it was, <laughs> but it's got me. It's got me thinking. Yeah. I think my takeaway from today is definitely to reach out, like being on a college campus that we have resources, we mm-hmm. have people. Um, so if you do feel if I do feel every now and then that. I don't think my eating habits are how they should be or I'm feeling away and maybe it's going it's relating back to my food that I have people to you know to question that are knowledgeable and they Mm -hmm. they know um, maybe they could help me out and so there's definitely resources and just you know talking back to myself like 
how are you feeling what's going on like other places in your life that could be affecting how you're eating or what you're eating Mm -hmm. and just really you know asking myself questions but also asking others not being afraid to reach out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. definitely and as um, maybe some of you listeners are going to be doing some self-reflection as well if you have any questions feel free to reach out we have these resources here even if it might not be a um, necessary thing to meet with uh, myself or Lisa Nolte the student wellness dietitian on a regular basis even just a one-time chat to go over Thoughts, feelings, perceptions, uh, we welcome that. We really do because uh, this is the time in students' lives where um, the everyday actions that you have do turn into the habits that you have in the future. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for closing, um, if you have any questions or comments or want to know more information about this interview and in this episode, <laughs> you can check out the description box below. And we'll see you next time. Be well.